So they're flipping these films, they're getting them distributed, and they're getting them distributed right next to blockbusters. So you go on Amazon Prime, and this horror film that was $200,000, it's almost like people are being tricked to buy it. Hi, and welcome to Best in Fest, and I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in TV and film and learning the dirty little secrets that make Hollywood tick. Today, um, I have a lovely guest named Sadie Katz on, and she is awesome. In fact, um, she's one of those... Uh, hybrids. Uh, she's a writer. She's an actor. She's a producer. She is a scream queen actress as well in that genre. She also has an award at uh, AM Docs named after her, the Sadie Katz Award for Hustle. I want to talk about that. Uh, she has spent uh, two decades uh, working in the entertainment industry as an actress. She's now launched her See You Next Tuesday Films uh, which has a, a goal of telling female-focused stories that don't involve sexed-up supervillains or girls running through the woods um, as a horror guy is about to kill them. Welcome, uh, Sadie. How are you? Oh, what an intro. I need you as my hype person to remind me all these things. I love that, that you said, um, I, I call it like a slashy in, in L.A., someone's what do you do? You're like, I'm an actor slash producer slash writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyphenate. A hyphenate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a slash. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Let's start off with how did you get into this wacky wonky industry? What what bit you? I mean, obviously the acting bug, but what drew you down that path? Um, I mean, you know, the, the short answer is like, you know, when you have a little kid and everything you do at the age of four, they're like, Sadie's such an actor. She's such an actor. So, you know, I, I really did it like very traditional of like doing, uh, you know, plays in school, then going to college and doing lots of plays at different colleges and taking acting classes at Meisner and then coming to LA and, and you know, doing student films. Like I did it the, I'm showing my age, but I did it the Backstage West drama log. You know, you'd go get your newspaper, you'd stuff your envelopes and then, you know, build up your reel, which is such a different, there's, there's so many shortcuts now that, that wasn't the case. Like, you know, even the fact of like doing Thomas Guide used to get, you get an audition and you get like A35 and you find your little square and, you know, you would drive and I can't tell you how many parking tickets I had. <laughs> I used to get parking constantly. You know, I, that's funny. I was just talking to my son um, about the Thomas Guide, ironically enough. And I'm like, you have no idea how difficult it was to get around this town without Waze and Google Maps and all this craziness. We had to use a Thomas Guide and then I had to explain to him what that was. I go, yeah, just getting to an audition was an ordeal. You had to plot it out the night before. You had to know how long it was going to take you. It was crazy. You didn't know where you were going to like, you didn't know how good the audition was or if you get to the audition and there'd be a hundred people. So but something more, I missed that time because it was so much more visceral and you know, I could go on about it too. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, the new actors, these young kid actors, cause I've got a teenager who's an actor. Um, 
it has has really segued into the eco casts, right? So you're not really going into the office and, and meeting the casting director one on one anymore. It's all via, you know, tape and they're just going through hundreds and hundreds of this, you know, these these taped clips going, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Um how do you feel that's changed your approach to acting? Has that changed your approach? Because you're hyphenate, so I wanna kind of look at the acting first before we jump into the other stuff you do. You know, it I, I, I guess I'm older and old school, so it really kind of broke my heart. Uh, and it also made me, I had to rethink it because I used to be able to go in the room and I could kind of show off a little bit, like watch how fit, fast I can like burst into tears, especially if you're doing, you know, when you're very young, the horror films are what you're auditioning a lot for uh, if you're doing indie film. So... The problem is then you had to learn, like you really do have to be savvy on your computer and you have to have a, a full camera set up and your curtains. And uh, it's kind of a different way of auditioning. You know, there's something where the performance has to almost be done in, in a way, which I feel like when I'm on set, I can sometimes meet actors that I think they must have taped really well, but they don't know how to take direction. So I think we lost some things in that. Um, also actors don't, sometimes I'll see some people in person and I'm like, boy, their videos were great. I think we, we're missing a little bit of like real technique in acting uh, because of those videos, because, you know, people are able to manipulate them. Um, so I, I'll always be a little sad about it. Um, I understand why casting directors would want to do it that way. Um, I know when I cast my last project, um, there were some really great things about it and some things that, you know, one of the people I cast, I may not have used them. They had really crazy skin, but you know what? She was a great actress. She really was. Great. But probably if she came in the room, I might have not used her because her skin wasn't you know, easy to work with on camera. And, you know, so that kind of worked the opposite way where maybe she made herself look better on the camera, but God, she was such a great actress. I, so that was a bonus. Um, so I, I guess there is some things about it, but God, I will always miss the other way because you, it was all about relationships and LA is so lonely. So you, you meet LA even lonelier. It's, you know, and for me, sometimes I'm like, uh, I got to go in my bedroom and, and go, you know, do a rape scene. That's insane. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane that you're taping a rape scene. Yeah. And, and you have to get a reader and, you know, in some ways I, I feel like the casting directors are a little bit to blame. Um, although I understand why, because it's, it's so easy for them. Yes, it does. Because you're doing the, you're, you're doing a lot of the work for them. Yeah, we do everything, and and exactly. <laughs> and some of these, like I'll get, I do a lot of lifetime stuff. Stuff they'll send fifteen page auditions, and yeah, I tell you, I you, all these casting directors give workshops, but sometimes, and I love what they do, and I know how hard it is, but I want to send them and go. You sent me fifteen pages. Do you know how long it takes me to? it you're having me act everything out for you you've left me no room 
And there's no reason you're seeing all this. That's a callback. So, you know, I, I think actors lost a lot more power um, because of it. And I, it, you know, we're all afraid to kind of stand up and say something. I mean, IMDb kind of did the same thing to us. It made actors care about this this number that's so, you know, I like I'm in the top 10,000 right now. What that really means is one of my films is playing in like Africa and, you know, faraway places. So it upped my number. But I also had a film I did get chopped up and put on like a foot site, some weird foot site. And I went to 98 on IMDb. So I mean, all this stuff can make you crazy. You have people not studying acting the same way because they're busy doing it the other way. I don't know. I, I off on it because I, I'm so passionate. No, no. I mean, listen, the, the, you know, since this eco-cast thing, I mean, you bring up a really valid point. Since the eco-cast thing has taken over the, the casting process, so to speak, there's there's pros and cons to it. Like, you know, my son, like you, you, you're saying you have, you have sometimes 24 to 48 hours to memorize, prepare and act 15 pages. Like my son is 14. That's tough for a 14 year old. It's tough for an adult, but it's, you know, it's tough for a teenager to do this. And, and we're making it super easy for those casting directors, you know, just to go through yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But they're not allowing the actors to really prep and do their best work because of these constrained timeframes, which are just becoming unreasonable. And, you know, SAG hasn't stepped up and, and said, hey, listen, you know, you got to limit this stuff. You got to give them like five days for this. You got to give them, you know, seven days for this. If you're going to give them that many pages, you got to give them this many days to do it. And I really wish SAG would jump in and start kind of monitoring this because it's getting out of hand. 25 pages in 24 hours. I'm like, are you out of <laughs> your mind? It's becoming an exercise in memorization. And, and it's also and lacking the acting because you're so worried about getting them the memorization correctly that you're not actually concentrating on f delivering the acting the the character of it and there's so many i hear you know you can hear one casting director and another casting director sometimes i'll try to look it up love what that casting director likes but there's some who go you're auditioning for a doctor you should have on a, a lab coat and there's other so don't do that. You're cheesy. You, you should eat during the scene. You shouldn't eat during the scene. And sometimes I feel like in, I feel like I'm choosing the easiest choice that's right on the paper, forgetting that they're getting a billion blondes who are doing the same thing. But when you put 15 pages, you're like, okay, they're wanting me to do this overview and they're not giving me any notes. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I've sent the same casting director 15 auditions and they've never once reached out to me and confirmed, I like what you're doing or you know what, you're close. This is, and I think, I do think that they're asking for too many taped auditions and they're not watching all of them and spending so much time I do think that SAG should come in and they should have to have a confirmation that this is 
opened and watched. And there needs to be a little bit. We are doing more of their job than when they were paying for us to go into their. When we were going into a facility, they were doing us a favor by seeing them. They are no longer doing us favors. We're doing them a lovely favor because they get to say to the client who has no idea how much a taped audition is. It's, you know, they get to show all these finished pieces and the client of course is going to be like, wow, look, the name is up and this looks so professional. But behind that is an actor canceling birthday parties, canceling vacations, you know, in their room. And your son needing to do schoolwork, but having to memorize 15 pages in two days. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but, but piggybacking on that, you know, you are a hyphenate, you are a producer, you are a writer, you know, you are, you have segued into controlling more of your career than just, you know, the actor path. So, um, what was that transition like for you? What, what made you leap into starting to take that control? So, the, you know, one of the things is, you know, I didn't like wake up and say, I want to be a scream queen, but you get very lucky. And, you know, I always say, you don't, not everyone gets to be an Oscar winner or, you know, it's the only profession that people feel like you haven't won. If, you know, if, if you sell tires, I don't say to you, are you the number one tire salesman in the world? You go, I have a business selling tires and it actually is a small business that I work consistently and do well. So that was my thing as I realized, okay, especially with my age, I'm, I'm an indie film actress who's been the lead in like 12 films. Now the thing is, and, and successful scream films, so, you know, for people listening in, you know, horror genre scream films, uh, she's been working consistently you know, in that part, right? Uh, which is, which that in itself is a really tough thing to consistently do. Crazy. And the, so here's where the part comes in. So you go, I worked my butt off doing this. I, you know, I get cast in this sci-fi movie that looks really great. Um, I won't say the title of this one, but you don't know because you go through the same process as everyone who's auditioning for TV and things. You shoot something and let's say it's a 10 day shoot. I'll tell you, I don't have a lot of respect for bigger actors in the same way because I'm like, I'm doing these crazy scenes in two takes. I'm doing a whole character in 10 days, but then you see the movie and you know, let's say the movie is $200,000 and I see it and I started to go, I'm just doing one film after another that like, I can do, I can work my butt off and do the very best work that I can do in that limited amount of time. And it's trash. I'm just not out of it. It's these people are kind of, they're flipping films, which is a thing. So they're flipping these films, they're getting them distributed and they're getting them distributed right next to blockbusters. So you go on Amazon prime and this horror film that was $200,000, it's almost like people are being tricked to buy it. And then they opened up and I, I started to go, you know what? Why can't I make these films for put my own name in it for $200,000? I can do a really kick-ass film. First of all, 
let me get the script that's really good and let me play a character that maybe has has even more levels um i just wanted something that i had control and i kind of wanted to show off a little bit to say well i could flip a film in one year shoot it in days stay in budget and have a film that's festival quality that's still scary and i ended up getting like randy edelman uh does the score we had a great dp so i did it and under uh, you know i got financing and i was the sole producer we had executive producers but i hired my director as a hired gun and i said i am going to go in and be responsible for this product that my name's on that way the next time someone says you know what what film of yours should i watch i have this film that i go this is exactly what i want to put out there and well let's talk about how did you how did you get the financing how did you go about packaging it once you made this decision saying wait i can do this and and how did that work? How was that process working out for you? So how did you package it? How did you find the financing? What was your process once you made that decision? I'm going to be super blunt. No one puts in money for a film under $200,000. That isn't, this is insider baseball. So hopefully no one will listen to this, but normally they care about a red carpet. They're a little bit of a narcissist. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they love this. They, they want to be in film. Um, normally they don't want to go through the steps. So they have, you know, F you money, um, which is your, that's your investor. That's your golden investor. Someone who doesn't need the money back, not giving like their life savings. I would, I would say, don't take it from someone like that. Um, it's unfair. Uh, and having it on your head, you're never going to do anything good, but you know, normally they also want to pardon something. When how I found money for this is crazy. There's the heavy metal band Testament. Um, the guy in that, I'm not, a, but they're like the fifth biggest, you know, heavy metal band. He wanted to do a movie that he had his music in and that he had a leading part and he wanted it to be horror because metal and horror go hand in hand. But that being said, he, ends up so so my publicist says do you have a script and i had a script that we were messing with so we finished it and then we wrote in a part special for him and then i made a quick check because i know no one's going to read the script so i went on cam canva and made a deck uh no one cares it like you don't want to be too crazy with the deck because no one reads anything especially these people who tend to have money and are interested in films they don't always have like this true respect for it. And you, you have to just like take it out and say, okay, you know, you're, you're kind of doing a sales pitch because you have to figure out why is this person wanting to invest in film? And you have to agree with everything they say. This is, you have to turn into a producer salesperson who goes, oh, you want to do film festivals and walk it. You have to start telling them how great film festivals are or someone who says, you know, I, I, I have a, I need a tax write off. That's, that's also like, that's your unicorn and you should, you should stop them and love them. But so that's how it started. And 
this guy was like, I started prepping the film. He said, you know, a hundred thousand dollar check. I can write you right now, which they all say that. And then a week before he backed out and this was after swearing. Well, I had the movie prepped. I had my actors. I was going to owe the actors. Um, he prepped, he, he backed out because he said slash told them that he was going to lose his money. It went from this guy was has millions and he could like, that's how much he pays for a party and then backing out. Um, so then we scrambled and my executive producer, Elaine, Elaine, Eileen Shapiro, um, she called up everybody under the moon and said, we had this thing prepped and Testament was going to be involved. So we almost used their name, which is, you know, uh, to get someone involved. So we got half the money and then half the money. And we actually shot with, with two different, um, the other investor wanted to score the film and he was this quirky mad scientist. So we have the money, we shoot the movie, we start to work on post and this other investor who is the scientist who wants to score the film too much money on his hands and doesn't so he wants to just sit down with the guitar. He doesn't want to really become a, a film scorer. He wants to just play the guitar and he thinks it's going to be quirky. So now we have to fire him. producer, <laughs> And that's kind of the crazy thing is if people want to be in film, unless they do the film themselves and God forbid, the hardest thing of being a woman is most of the people want to take your time because they either just want to have lunch with a pretty girl or they want to talk film. That's the one thing doing the meetings online. At least you cut down on the, the lunches. So getting that financing, I don't care if you're, if you're good at that, it doesn't matter about your scripts. It doesn't matter how good of a filmmaker you are. That's the people. That's why there's so much bad content out there is you have these really good salespeople who raise money. So I got very lucky and got that opportunity and was like, okay, so now I have to come through and kind of show off a little bit that I can take the money and do something. But it's really, really difficult to find financing financing you know it it tends to be lots of accidents and you kind of have to go forward as a producer trusting that money will fall in and it doesn't always happen that way but it is sort of a happy accident everybody i've asked how'd you get your money for your film tells me these crazy stories well but you know you had um you were tenacious enough not to stop and to look at it as a problem to be solved not a wall or a barrier um but you've got films that are coming out you've got space wars you got um a few others you uh, uh, talk about the beauty film um and and talk about how that kind of came into play for you the Beast Inside? The, sorry, The Beast. The Beast film, yes. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Kind of the film. So, so I had actually prepped a movie that I wrote that was like an elevator, psychological thriller elevator movie. So I went through 
months of trying to build money for this and such a great script. And I was really in love with it. We had Tony Todd and all these things. And that the lawyer who was going to invest ended up getting indicted for something. So we lost the project. So my director, Jim Towns, who's also a fabulous writer, especially of female characters, I said, we were like, let's just go and do a movie at this motel down the street, just the two of us. I was going to do a self-exorcism movie because it hadn't been done. The problem he writes this great script. The script ended up so good that it, you know, it had other characters in it. It, I ended up getting greedy and I said, we got to shoot this. Like this script is really worthy. So that sort of the, what ended up happening is we ended up doing that. Then the phone call happened of, you know, the band Testament needs a script. They read the script and said, we'll put all the money in, which was the only reason I went forward prepping it. And then in between tears and, and throwing up and being so nervous because I had prepped the movie, we had to find new people to invest, which is why as a filmmaker, the internet is a good thing. Um, you know, your Google's a good thing and you have lots of contacts. Um, we have a lot of, there's a lot of crowdfunding right now, but they're not making really great films. Not all of them. A lot of crowdfunding is becoming people who are really good at crowdfunding and they're promising roles to, you know, 20 people, which you really can't do. It, it, you know, you need actors in the film. <laughs> like people have to show up on set. I don't care if they're multimillionaires. It's, it's really difficult to do that. Um, and you're, I, I, but I do understand. I swear, I always want to do a documentary about raising film money because it's a, it's a, it's the funnest part of asking someone if they'll actually tell you is how did you get this money? Because it's a, it's, it's like a happy accident. I realize much like making a documentary, it starts the story starts unfolding, and then you know you're in bed with these with your executive producers who either have they you have to teach them if they haven't done it what the film industry is about and how to sell the movie it's so you're in this whole it's you've started a small business with some people who hopefully do know the industry or don't so it's really crazy you know you start your llc and the filmmaking it does it several times while you're still running this business. It's it's really wild. I'm I'm about to do it again, and I it's I'm like okay, I learned this much, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Right. Well, let's talk about you know um, the the beast inside. Um, you have you you that is releasing soon, correct? Yeah, I actually just made the, the sales deal, which is crazy. Um, which was who did you make the sales deal with and how did that come uh, you know, about? Because that's always a very fascinating story as well. So as an actor, I've been the lead in several like direct-to-video Lionsgate releases. Um, you know, these like grindhouse films. So uh, Hollywood Media Bridge is a company that I built a relationship for years of them like knowing my work and um, me already doing things with them. So that was 
like a, a big thing of, they had said, if you have a film, they've already used my name. Um, you know, I'm not, it's name actors in this tier is very interesting. Um, you know, uh, so, but they always would say, if you have something, you know, let us see it. Now, so about four months ago, so after I made the film, I sent out as we were shooting, I sent out to these distributors or sales agents, little things of like, guess what? I just finished. Guess what? They didn't always write back, but these are people I, I built relationships through AFM and everything for years. And then the when we had the rough cut, I sent that. They, of course, didn't watch it. Um, it's really hard to get anyone to watch your film. Uh, so it, your trailer becomes really important, even if it's just like a solid scene that you're showing. Your poster, I ended up paying someone to do the poster, even if they don't use it. Um, you have to have your sales materials. So, and they should look like a poster of something that you would see on Netflix or yeah, I don't. Yes, of course they have to, it has to be a professional level poster, you know, a marketing tool that really is marketing it at the quality that you're seeing, you know, in any of the networks. Yeah. And what's funny is you'll have a lot of like the investors will go, well, why are we doing that? They're, they're going to buy the film. And I'm like, I'm trying to get us a minimum guarantee on the front end of the film. So that's the really hard part about indie film is like, you don't typically leave money at the end. Like you're, you're just going by your teeth. But I wanted to do it as low of a budget so I could actually get my investors their money back so I can do another film with bragging rights. So this is almost like my first calling card that also... I want to get my investors their money back. Like that's the biggest thing and have this film right. that, you know, so it is, it's a, it's a thing. You have to convince everyone to keep going on this ride with you and you have mm -hmm. to make it fun because mm -hmm. they just gave you their like extra money and you want them to want to invest in films again. And, Right. A lot of times the executive producers, unless they're wanting to make money, which is like, you know, really make a profit, which is a hard relationship to have because it takes a couple of years and they have to be patient. I'm, I'm actually going to get my investors money back within a year, which is. Yeah. People listening, people listening to get your money back within a year of distribution, like just. The, just the timeline of you, you sign, you ink the deal with a distribution company. Within hours, you're getting flooded with a series of emails on all your deliverables. They've already scheduled you for release about four months after that. And so that's four months of that first 12 months that have already been eaten up. So you've got eight months left and to secure money going back to your investors within eight months, that's, that's really phenomenal. That means it's selling. Yeah. I, okay. So I, I should clarify. So a year ago I made the film, we finished it. We just had our big, you know, 400 person premiere. And then, so I've sold it. So actually just to be accurate, cause that would be, that would be really amazing, is from it being done. Now I, you're, you're right on the deliverables. I'm trying to pretend that it's not going to, be the worst thing in my life, but it is. So yeah, within, you know, 
So we sold it within the year, but the which is perfect, which is great. That's still a phenomenal thing to sell it. So now you've got the deliverables. So now you're working on giving that to them and then they'll schedule and launch this. And then you should be seeing money within that first, you know, eight months, fingers crossed. We did, well, so we got a, a minimum guarantee, which was so important to me, um, which is right now horror is, is, there's so much, there's this like, you know, glut of horror. So there, and holiday movies are a big thing right now. Um, urban films and like LGBTQ, that's, you know, a big thing right now. So, but they always say that with horror. And the fact is horror sells, it sells hard copies. Um, you know, it actually sells the Blu-rays and everything. One of the few indie films that like you don't need huge names uh, to do it, and the the fan base is just hungry. They there's some people who consume whatever comes out every friggin' month. Um, thank God for them. And it's nice because within that world, there are like you know scream queens. There are stars of, that are known in that little world, and they have conventions that kind of feed things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard and, and it's like super rewarding at, at times. Like you have to take your wins because I don't know why you would do it otherwise. Cause it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, you know, I, I tell people who are like, well, how do you get into this? And, you know, money wise. And I'm always like, well, it's a low paying job. So, you know, it's, Acting, even if you book all the time, if you did like your son, if unless he's a series regular, which is a lightning bolt, um, when you're a kid, it's obviously. But you know, if you were doing a guest star every month for a year, you're still making, which you would that would be phenomenal. You're still only making forty five thousand dollars, maybe fifty thousand dollars. So you're just getting insurance and spend all this money out. So. I always try to tell people, well, decide if you really want to be an actor, if you really want to be a filmmaker, and if you end up getting up here, great. But you probably went to a good school or you were a child star that, you know, had different credits. So if not, you should just accept like this is your job that doesn't pay super well. And you could get really lucky, but you should really like accept what it is. Like... And because you'll enjoy it more and maybe you'll find something as some other side hustle um, to keep you sane. But it, it's a it's a tough gig, even as a filmmaker, because, it, you know, a film takes a year to, to film, do it, write it. And then, you know, post is a good year of hustle. And you, and you have to you have to keep the boat afloat. It's just like, you know, you really do. It's. As you know, obviously. <laughs> so you formed a production company. So that means you're going to be doing this, you know, all the time. Uh, why did you, was that through your, um, you know, first experience and you said, you know, I, that's it. This is, this is what I'm going to do so that you can continue making films. Where do you see you and your production company in the next five years? Well, I think I formed the LLC because I was getting money and they were just kind of get, they, they gave me the, the deal that you pray for. They're just like, here's the money. 
go make the film. And I had all the creative control. I had all the control other than when we, uh, when we do the film. So I had to put the, when we sell the film, excuse me, they had to sign off on the distributor. So I had to put the money somewhere that wasn't just floating in my account. Um, so I, I guess like my goal would be to do maybe like a film myself a year that's that I get to also act in. I think I doing these indie films, I might as well be to get to pick my own scripts. I've done enough of them at this point um, and get to employ really good actor friends and good DPs. Like I've collected all these people that I know that I enjoy working with. Um, I don't think I want to stay in just the horror genre and it would be awesome to have a film that maybe, you know, this would be really great is to have a couple of films that I am, I hire everyone and they go off and make the film under my company, which would be, you know, really cool. Um, that, that would be like a, a super goal. Um, so I can oversee a few projects, but for right now, cause I just had a baby, which was the, the crazy thing is unexpected. I mean, we were trying, I'm, I'm older. So right when we wrapped up um, shooting on the beast inside, the next month I came up pregnant. So I did post pregnant. What did you do? That's with me pregnant. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm shaking everything off and going, okay, like, okay, I'm going back to work. And what does this look like? It looks like I'm going to do another project through Hollywood Media Bridge. Um, I would sure like to do, uh, I would like to do like a comedy um, but they're so hard to sell. So that's a thing. Um, but probably like a holiday movie. Um, horror right now is just, gosh, there's so much of it. And it's lovely. So the script has to be really special. It has to be, it has to be a good story of like, this needs to be told. This is important. And there's, it's high concept. It, the, you know, the cabin in the woods thing has just been beat to death. So something better happen. That's really, <laughs> that's really fun in the woods. It better be good. Better be good. <laughs> okay. What is a dirty little secret that you wish somebody would have told you along your travels that you can share with us going, oh, gosh, if I had known that <laughs> it would have saved me so much time. Okay. Uh, I love this question because it's my favorite soapbox. I'm kind of a soapboxer, Leslie, if you haven't noticed. Uh, <laughs> I love your, your soapboxer. I love your, thank you for having me on this. But uh, so it's really important when you are distributing a film or even a film that you're acting in to let them know that when your film is released on iTunes, Amazon, um, Netflix is its own thing. It's great that you'll be on it. But there's the scroll. So that means when you go on to watch a movie, you go on Amazon Prime and it says new releases and you get to have the key art. Well, if you, how you are able to make that page is not just because your film's releasing. They have hundreds of films releasing. It's reviews. And that's not reviews from magazines. It's like regular people reviews. And you'll be shocked how many indie films have no reviews or three reviews. You you can get on that by having 50 reviews, 
30 reviews. That should be your main next step when your film is released is begging everyone to leave a review. It doesn't even matter if they say, I hated the film. It has to show up because that's how you make the scroll. And if you don't make the scroll, finding your movie will mean someone has to enter it in like, you know, the beast inside to bring up and getting people to even watch your movie is really, really hard. Um, you, so you need them to see it. And so many, I don't know why that's never talked about in indie films. And I, I want it. That's why I always try to explain it because when I had my doc release through Gravitas, I, I have to tell you the scream tears of it not being on the front page. I waited four months for it to release. And I worked so hard to get every interview, everything you could do. I, it was at some prestigious film festival. And when it wasn't on that scroll, I went, I'm, that's it. You know, it's called the Bill Murray experience. So, uh, you know, also you want the name to be like in, in the first part of the alphabet. There's all these things. And it's kind of ridiculous that I don't know why. So that's my dirty secret that. That truly is a dirty little secret because, because you think you're going to get it on that scroll automatically. And that's not how this game works. And there is a, there is something on, you know, instead of calling your film using a title that starts with an X, using one that starts with, you know, a D or a B or an A in the, um, you know, title. But that's a great dirty little secret is making sure that you're getting that film rated and reviewed um, so that it makes that scroll so people will then watch it. Because they kind of distributors will take, especially in indie films, unless it's like Sundance, they'll take it and they'll throw it against the wall and see what sticks. So they're, you're really not going to have them unless you're part of like a, a pack or, you know, you go under a certain title, but they really aren't going to advertise your film. So all that money that you think you're getting on the back end, you should still be working your film yourself, which very few filmmakers do this. It's Most don't. As soon as they get distribution, they, they go, oh, they're doing it and they start marketing it and they don't continue marketing their film. No. And I mean, I'm sort of in this weird spot where I'm like, am I going to, how long should I stay on this film? I have to like, let it go. Um, you know, there, but it is true. And you're not going to get people to say that it's really hard to, to get actors to understand, like, you know, you have to get it out there too, or else, like, you know, I tell every actor, if you're a lead in something, you better hire a publicist or why'd you even do the film? Like you should be working on your Google, your Google, it's the Google, it's the scroll. It's, it's all these things or you'll never get seen by people. Great. Thank you so much for being on a uh, best in fest. That's Sadie Katz for everyone that was listening in. Uh, for those that want to DM us. Don't forget to tap into the YouTube channel, uh, La Femme Film Festival, and see the video component of this. We are on all the podcast uh, networks, uh, platforms, so rate us and pass us forward to your friends. And, uh, and DM us uh, if you have anything you want us to 
you know, explore in the podcast. Uh, uh, Sadie, thank you so much for being on Best and Fest. Shout out your uh, socials and your website for people that want to kind of follow you. Uh, find me on Instagram under Sadie Katz, S-A-D-I-E-K-A-T-Z. Uh, Twitter is Sadie underscore Katz. And my Facebook is murky because I've got too many friends. I have a fan page that I never update, but you can come see me on it under Sadie Katz as well. And, um, and there you go. Thank you so much. Best and fest. We're out.